This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Oh, you liked episode 50 so much. We're back for episode 51. Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. I'm Mark Potter, and he is Mike Bradley. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Mark. Well, I tell you what, this portion of the podcast sponsored by our friends at Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. So, uh, first round of the playoffs is done and over with, and... uh, uh, a couple of surprises in there, but let's start off with the one surprise for Colonel Richardson. Washington forfeiting their contest two and a half hours before kickoff. Yeah, we were told that Washington had just 12 players. Now, technically, 12 is enough to go out there. You'd have to play two ways, but Washington felt as if uh, that wasn't good enough for them. And obviously, if you get an injury or two, you are in a tough spot at that point. But it, it, we still haven't gotten a firm explanation as to, okay, but why did they only have 12 players? And why did you let them know so late in the process? Wouldn't it have been better to at least maybe give Colonel a heads up, if they could have, that this could happen? Because you've got people making plans, you know, the fans and parents and the school and None of that, uh, you know, none of that transpired. So you put people in a lurch, and this hurts Colonel. They didn't want to buy, so they're going to be rusty. A team that was on a roll, even though they lost to North Carolina, that was 14-7 to in overtime. Um, That is going to hurt them now for the second round. And sadly, again, uh, Washington's program issues adversely affect other teams, not just themselves. Yeah, and I don't blame them for not wanting to play the game with 12 players. What I blame them for is at what point – I mean, do you not talk to your kids during the day and they show up? All right, let's see who gets on the bus. No, that's bullcrap. That's not what you do. You know early in the day who's going and who isn't going. Now, did a flu bug all of a sudden hit every single player? Well, then maybe. Okay, I can understand it. But let's face it, the reality of that happening, probably unlikely. It's just, it's it's a shame that like you said, it ends up giving Colonel Richardson a bye. They're going to go into this Friday's game with Bo Manor with a week of rest, but they didn't want the rest. They wanted to play no. so that they could make themselves better. And I, I agree with you. It's another slam of showing why Washington either needs to fold the program or do something else with the program. Maybe play a JV schedule like Coach Ferragamo had talked about. It just... You know, it, we need to do something. The Bayside needs to address Washington High School's football team. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Now, look, would Colonel have had an easy go of it against Washington? Yes. So would they have been tested much? No. Would that have made them a whole lot better for the next game? No, probably not. But the bottom line being is, though, at least they're not rusty. At least they go through the routine of having a game and playing and, uh, you know, not sitting around for, you know, two weeks before a game. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's problematic. At least they would have had something 
uh, and, and something similar to what they would have had, albeit against better competition the next week. Yeah, absolutely. So they are going to be playing Bow Manor this week, who got by Sykesville uh, to advance. And uh, I, I spoke with all the host athletic directors from the Midshore this morning, and all are still planning on playing the game Friday as scheduled. Uh, hopefully, some of this rain will get out of here a little earlier. Uh, it looks like those here on the midshore, maybe not. Maybe down at the beach for Berlin with Decatur. You know, maybe it'll be wrapped up by 4 or 5 o'clock. It all depends on what this uh, system does that's uh, expected to hit Florida later on today. Yeah, Nicole, which could turn into a Category 1 hurricane, we'll have to see. But, yeah, we're, we're paying attention to the weather for Friday. And as you talked about, everything as of now is planned for Friday. But as we know, some of those things can change. But I'll say this, though. When you're talking about playoffs and a one-and-done situation, you'd really hate to make uh, to have a last-second decision to be made. Okay, we're moving up the game now uh, to Thursday instead of uh, you know playing it on Friday. You hate for those kids all of a sudden to have that routine and have that schedule all of a sudden thrown askew uh, because of the weather. And, again, it's rain and wind. We're not talking about, you know, a blizzard. So uh, the last I checked, this was football. And I know there are more considerations than just that to go into it, to be fair, like travel. But, you know, let's not get too crazy now because of rain. I I had texted Dan Harding earlier today, and I said, any talk of the football game being moved to Thursday or Saturday due to weather? He said, no, the turf field will be in great condition. And he's got a great point. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. And to your point, both Ken Island and Stephen Decatur both have turf fields. That's where these games are being played. No grass is involved. Now, with Colonel, there is. Uh, but for two of the three games, there's turf. Well, and I think, you know, muddy muddy field would probably help Colonel Richardson. So, you know, yeah, so good they, point. So yeah. they can just, you know, continue to play in the mud and the muck. So there's a look at the uh, 1A. Let's get it. Well, also 1A, Kent County losing to Perryville 44-14. Snow Hill getting walloped by uh, Green Street Academy, whatever that is. Um, as well, so they're eliminated. Uh, into the 1A, 2A, um, Elkton squeaks by Cambridge South Dorchester. They gave them a valiant effort, 7-6 the score there. Parkside, how about them beating Falston by a field goal? A big win for Brennan Riley in the program. Yes, over 600 yards of offense was accumulated in that game, and I've got the stats here. So Nazir Holden, 27 rushes, 357 yards, touchdown runs of 67, 10, and 78, a touchdown catch of 27 yards. Brian Waters, 25 rushes, 178 yards, had a two-point conversion run. Wow. Uh, Luke Massarello had a touchdown pass to Holden there. Cameron Mapp with an interception. But, yeah, 622 total yards of offense against Boston. And Bryant Nazir both going over 1,000 yards for the season. Uh, talk about coming up big at the biggest time. And they did that against the Cougars on the road. Over 600 yards of offense and only 27 points? Well, you figure, though, that takes up a lot of time on the clock when you're yeah. running the ball effectively up and down the field like that. Yeah, the one touchdown was 67 and 78. So, yeah, uh, they had some quick scores there, but they also had uh, some scores that took some time as well. well it was good to see Parkside uh, moving on with that win over Falston. Yeah. This portion of the podcast sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. 
Park. They offer 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. They also offer individual and team lacrosse and baseball and softball training as well. So, uh, you know, hey, may not want to, you may want to consider checking out the Edge Training Academy dot com all right let's uh let's dive into why high this was our preston ford game of the week presented by best western plus easton for all seasons in kona ice why high beating queen ants 20 to 13 in a contest that it was close but at the same time you just felt like it was a dominating performance from why high well, you did, and Why uh, High scored what on their first offensive series? They got the ball at the 39, and Makai Johnson had a long run. Uh, they also got Heyman involved a lot as well, uh, but they were off the rate off to the races seven to nothing. Queen Anne's did tie it, Mark Smothers with a 73 yarder to make it seven to seven. Um, and in fact, Why High couldn't get the ball in the kickoff. Queen Anne's recovered it to 28, but on the second series, they turned it over on downs. And why High ended up scoring on their second series. And from there, yes, the game didn't seem to be very much in doubt, even though Queen Anne's cut it to 14-10 to on a 42-yard field goal. But you're right. And, and Mark, you and, and Coach, of course, were at the game taking a look at it. I haven't seen the exact numbers from the game. But the way you guys talked about it, it seemed like Queen Anne's decided to get pass-happy and go away from giving the ball to K.J. Smothers. Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that Coach Ferragamo made note of several times is, like, why not give him the ball, you know, and, and take your shot because it, while you keep pounding it with him, eventually he's going to squeak through or get around the edge or pop it outside like he did on that uh, touchdown run uh, and it was real close to breaking another one. Got a long run but uh, was not able to uh, get to the end zone. But a couple of field goals and when they really needed touchdowns and why high will advance to play Ken Island uh, this coming Friday. The thing that really caught me off guard was why high came out and instead of being in the shotgun, which they did do a couple of times, uh, you know, on uh, Friday night, but come out and, you know, a two wide set with a tight end and an I formation. Yeah, and it H back a little bit as well under center. And yeah, and I, they wanted to show Queen Anne something that they hadn't seen from them. And they used Malik Leatherberry as a uh, as a decoy. Yeah, come and you got to talk to. Yeah, you talked about Queen Anne's uh, paying multiple, or, or excuse me, having multiple players pay attention to Leatherberry, which is no surprise, but they didn't go to him much, but they used him as a decoy, and they were able to run the ball effectively enough. The defense stepped up, that between the defense playing better, and also Queen Anne's not running the ball with uh, K.J. Smothers as much. They got it done. I mean, I don't think anybody should be surprised that Queen Anne's won. This was just a touchdown game when Queen Anne's won at Wicomico on that Thursday night several weeks ago. But I just, from a Queen Anne's perspective, I don't understand. If you're going to lose, you want to lose having given the ball to your best player as much as possible. And if the other team stopped them or contained them, fine. But it seems like they stopped K.J. Smothers themselves with their play calling. And I, I just don't, I, I don't understand that whatsoever. Um, but, hey, you tipped your cap to Wicomico. They came out with something different. And, um, and it sounds like, too, you guys talked about why High's defense played, you know, 
pretty uh, pretty well on on. They held Smothers to one touchdown. Yeah, their linebackers did play a heck of a game. You know, the the one player that was missing for Y High is Makai Johnson, and he's been missing for a couple of weeks, is my understanding. And he was replaced. Jordan Heyman came out. He was our Maverick Transport hauling freight award winner uh, on Friday night. He had a heck of a game uh, as he became the second rudder uh, on the depth chart, uh, and John Norman was third. So you had Heyman and Norman that did all of the running and an occasional handoff to Jaden Handy, who was lined up as a fullback a a lot of times as well. But uh, just a ground-and-pound attack there uh, from the Y-High Indians. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry. I, so Johnson didn't play at all because I had him down for one rush, but he 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 didn't play at all. Well, I know I don't think he played at all, but you you might have wow. him down for a rush, but because that's we couldn't see the numbers, and yeah. you know, thankfully, yeah. thankfully, we're not going to be doing the game at Ken Island this week because they'll be wearing those same jerseys, and you just can't see the numbers. It, it's just so tough to tell. Well, you know. Yeah, the other thing about the game, though, and we talked about early in the year that why high, that is a brand-new offensive line. All five linemen are are new starters this year. Uh, nobody back from last year's squad that had a really good year. But Darius Foreman uh, went out of this game at one point. He's been dealing with injury issues. The fact that he wasn't a threat running the football and they still won as well, that's huge. I mean, that's really huge. And, you know, for Queen Anne's, they had a really good season – but at the same time, you do feel a sense of emptiness that they came away from this game and you wonder if they put their best foot forward. You saw the Queen Anne or the Ken Island game where it was a tale of two halves. And, and even in the first half, you heard head coach Al Waters say they were lucky to be in it. They lined up uh, incorrectly so many times. And I don't, there's a lot of head scratching with the Queen Anne's program uh, after the season, even though they finished, what, 7-3. and three, You kind of get the feeling of more of what could have been but ultimately, it, you know, that we'll have to keep asking because we'll never know. You mentioned Foreman. Foreman did run the ball a few times, but when he went out, uh, Lamar White stepped in as his sub. And let's just, and this isn't a knock to Lamar White, but he's no Darius Foreman. And uh, no. have, <laughs> we, we won't get an update from the coaching uh, staff there at Y High as to what's going on with Foreman because, well, they're, that's all part of their plan. But, yeah, gamesmanship. Yeah, yeah, a little gamesmanship going on there. So uh, if White plays at quarterback in place of Foreman, it's just made the Y-High um, team more of an uphill battle. And, and Ken Island, uh, you would suspect, would end up being uh, just winning this one going away. You'd have to consider maybe putting the speedy Malik Leatherberry into a uh, a wildcat situation, or maybe sure. Jaden Handy can throw the ball a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because I wasn't impressed with Lamar White throwing the ball the one or two times that he dr- he tried to do that. So, yeah, yeah. they'll have to yeah. get a little more creative if Foreman's not going to play on Friday night. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'll say this, uh, give a lot of credit to Wicomico. Final point on their win over Queen Anne's is that they did what they had to do to win that game. They not only showed Queen Anne's a different look offensively, but they did that in part to slow the game down so that K.J. Smothers would be limited in how many times he touched the ball. So they wanted to uh, grind it out, eat up the clock, 
and keep Smothers off the field. And even though Queen Anne's play calling did some of that themselves, uh, at least it appears, um, Fly Comico had the right approach to it and, and a different approach instead of, you know, being wide open and, and, and trying to score 50 points. Um, they did the right thing. And so they, they switched gears and then it worked. And that was, that's, that's good coaching right there. I will give you that. That's for sure. We mentioned that Y High is going to be playing Ken Island. We'll talk about that game next. Hi, folks. David Wilson, Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. This portion of the podcast sponsored by Perettenmoy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrett and his staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perettenmoy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So Ken Island, they wallop North Hartford 47-7. I was surprised to see that uh, Tommy McAndrews dropped back 15 times and ended up completing uh, seven passes for 158 yards and two scores. Uh, it just it goes to show that uh, he can still do it, but I was surprised to see him drop back that many times. Well, I think they did that, Mark, because they wanted to give him an opportunity in a game in which they felt strongly that they would be able to win and probably win fairly handily uh, with a one seed against an eight seed. It gave him a chance to be able to get some experience and some reps there um, with throwing the football because if it should be the case that Casey Heath should be contained and they need to go to the passing game um, that you know they'll be fresh off of doing some of that against North Hartford. They'll be tougher against YI, but nonetheless, I think that was smart of Ken Island to do it. Now, whether that was a part of the game plan early on or they were able to get that in there after they had a sizable lead, I'm not sure, but I, I'm not completely surprised. I think it was a smart thing to do, and we talk about the fact that as you get into the playoffs, especially against other teams outside of the Bayside, although this week will be a Bayside-Bayside matchup, is that, you know, okay, if your strength is contained or shut down, do you have enough other pieces, whether it be other players, other skill guys that can contribute, or are you able to deliver offensive production in a different manner vis-a-vis going from running the football to throwing the football? Casey Heath, 16 carries, 164 yards and two touchdowns. Keegan O'Brien had six carries for 34 yards, two catches for 33 yards and two scores. And then the tight end, Tucker Claxton, getting involved. He had three receptions for 109 yards and a score. So a big production there from the tight end. Good to see them get uh, Tucker involved in the action as well. Well, and again, it's about getting multiple multiple people involved if at all possible i mean that's a fine line that you walk if you're queen Anne's with kj smothers if you're a ken island with casey heath is you want to make sure those guys get the ball and play because they're your best players and you know they can produce so you don't want to get too cute but at the same time you need to get other guys involved and engaged especially if you have to call upon them at some point whether it be during a regular season or playoff game absolutely let's talk about the shocker of friday night that's next if someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal 
Take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. And of course, this section of the podcast is presented by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center. They do provide outpatient mental health, psychiatric, education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. Now, neither one of us thought that North Carolina could beat Easton going into Friday night uh, because of the way Easton had been playing since their loss to Y High. But boy, what we found out was that the Jekyll and Hyde of North Carolina, uh, they, came, they came up in, uh, in a big way and annihilated Easton 41-14. Yeah, Mark, I think it was one of those games where it just happened to be a playoff game at Easton where it all came together for North Carolina on that night. Now, you know, we'll see whether they can you know, replicate that or come close you know, this Friday night, but it's just one of those games where it all came together and your best ball is being played. It happens to be a playoff game against a team that you lost to by 13 you know, at uh, Easton earlier in the season, and you're right, Jekyll and Hyde, and you know we saw them play really well against Stephen Decatur several weeks back uh, in a two-point loss, and then they turned around at home against Kent Island and turned the ball over five times. And you're right, you just haven't known what you're going to get from this team. They went against Parkside fairly big, and then they turn around and have to go to overtime against Colonel. But, wow, I, clearly this was their best game of the year, and they put it all together. And they certainly have shown what they're capable of. And I think, conversely, for Easton, it was one of those nights as well where they just didn't have it, nothing was working, and things snowball out of hand. But, wow, to, to hold Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Connor to no rushing touchdowns, no passing touchdowns, that is no small feat. And North Carolina still turned the ball over four times, three fumbles and, and an yeah. interception. But I think the the really the, the telling thing here, and, and this goes kudos to the North Carolina Bulldog defense, Easton turned the ball over on down six times in that contest. And uh, and then they got one hell of a performance from uh, Zamir Smith, 15 carries, 170 yards, and five touchdowns. Zamir who? This is a kid that, you know, hasn't been on our radar all year long, and here he gives one hell of a performance. You know, five touchdowns, 170 yards rushing, and kudos to his offensive line for helping make that happen as well. But, you know, the speedy kid was able to get around the corner some, and it made a difference in this game. Yeah, and I, I think uh, and, and the, the blocks, uh, Coach McCormick said that he thought that they held on their blocks longer, and you're right, they got the edge at times, and Coach Griffith said the same thing. Uh, in addition, though, but I think the surprising thing is more about the fact that uh, the defense held East in the way they did with six turnovers on downs like that. I mean, that's that's huge with all the weapons that Easton has. You know, in terms of North Carolina's offense against Easton's defense, Easton's got, uh, I'd say, a good defense, but not great, not an elite defense. And they've had their issues at times this year. 
So that's not as surprising uh, that they gave up some of that. But for the North Carolina defense to do what they did to Easton's offense, that, that I think those numbers are the more surprising of the two. Yeah, they kept uh, Kevin O'Connor to just 27 yards rushing and 130 yards passing, uh, which is very impressive. 157-yard output when he's been you know, averaging easily 250 all year long. And uh, so, you know, shout out to the North Carolina defense. Uh, They are now going to have to uh, beat Decatur to advance uh, as they head down to Stephen Decatur, who picked up a a rather easy victory over C. Milton Wright last Friday as well. Yeah, I mean, I I watched that game, of course, David Dotson and the uh, SDHS YouTube channel page. They do a great our YouTube channel, I should say, they do a great job, and I was watching that. And yeah, I mean, Bryson Coleman with a couple of rushing touchdowns had a, a great catch by Luke Murgot in the end zone on a pass from Coleman, and uh, uh, the backup also got in as well. Uh, Nathan Tapley he had a rushing touchdown, I believe, and uh, the game was never really in doubt. I think it was twenty-eight to seven at the half, or twenty-eight to three at the half. Uh, so they uh, took care of business, and you know, the, these two. Decatur and Carolina, as we talked about, had a really good game uh, in uh, Berlin, although it was a low-scoring game, and it was scoreless at the end of the first half, I believe, or three to nothing maybe. And then all of a sudden, uh, Caroline comes out and scores, and then Decatur scores, and then Caroline scores again. But both teams, when they were successful, Mark, were able to get to the outside and run the football effectively. And Decatur loves Coach Croto, the OC there. He loves to run Bryson Coleman on quarterback sweeps to the outside. Absolutely loves it. And uh, that's been effective for them all year. But Caroline had times when they were effective running the football to the outside as well. Um, you know, it was kind of rough sledding for both teams up the middle. Uh, Decatur wasn't hitting on their passes as much in that game, but uh, we'll see. I, you just don't know what to get out of Caroline. I, I think Decatur offensively, Mark, I think they're hitting their stride right now playing some of their best offensive ball. I, I don't know what to get out of North Carolina. If Caroline plays the way they did last week, it'll be really tough for Decatur's offense, but I, I have no idea what to expect. Conversely, I have no idea what to expect out of Caroline's offense. Uh, as well, but Nasai Bell, if he's got it going, and it hasn't been that way much this year, but with his athleticism and his arm, and I thought he had his best game against Decatur at that point, it could be it could be interesting. But I think we're just left with a big question mark still with the Bulldogs. Yeah. So, and, and you're right, and that is going to be our Preston Ford Game of the Week, presented by Best Western Plus Easton for all seasons and Kona Ice. We'll have the Roto-Rooter pregame show starting at 5.40 on Friday night, live from Berlin. Bulldog fans, be listening on Friday night if you can't make the trip because we'll have it for you right here on 94.3 Winks FM, forevermidshore.com, and you can also download the free Forever Radio app and just search Winks to be able to listen on your phone no matter where you go. All right, sit tight. When we come back, we're going to talk more about high school sports and what we've got right here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria, three locations to serve you, West Ocean City, Centerville, and Easton. And the Waterfowl Festival is going on November 11th through the 13th in downtown Easton. And we are having a special event. 
OVO glasses, the ones that you wear, lightweight, durable. You can hang a 45-pound weight, and it will not break. Trunk show, 11 to 5, Friday the 11th, and you will save big time. In town for waterfowl? Stop by an optical galleria. But don't miss Friday's trunk show with special prices. Correct. And the special is either a free pair of single-vision lenses, $109 savings, or $150 savings on transition glasses. An optical galleria and the Oboe Glasses Trunk Show, Friday, November 11th from 11 to 5 at the Easton location on Harrison Street in downtown Easton. Sale prices are good at all three locations. An optical galleria, always online at eisenart.net. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. This portion of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the Midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. So, Mike, uh, what? I guess we let's wrap up the high school football yeah. uh, segment for this week and I think when you look at what we've got left, you got North Carolina at Decatur. You've got Y High at Ken Island. You've got uh, Parkside. I can't remember where they're going. They're still alive. They're going to Hartford Tech. Okay, they go to Hartford Tech. And then, of course, you've also got Colonel Richardson playing host to Bow Manor. So with, uh, down to six teams in the Bayside from the 13. I'll say 12 because, you know, Washington – you know, shouldn't have even been involved. But anyway, that's my feeling. Uh, but, yeah, so here we are from 13. We're down to six. Any final thoughts before we head into Friday night's round of football games? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I mean, I, we talked about Easton and North Carolina and the big upset there. And, you know, with Easton having a quarterback with the likes of O'Connor, that's a tough way to go out for his career. But he had himself one heck of a season, and Easton really turned their season around from last year. But it's disappointing to see maybe how far they could have gone from an Easton uh, standpoint. You feel like uh, having a quarterback of that ilk that, and the weapons he has that they could have gone further it could have been really interesting to see. Uh, but we won't know that. Uh, but, yeah, things turned around really quickly. But it, pretty much things went uh, as we expected. Although I and, – and I'll take credit or I blame for this. I didn't pick Parkside over Falston, although, you know, I thought it would be close. Uh, we'll see if they can continue, uh, you know, their winning ways here in the playoffs after a rough stretch in the 2A East. It's amazing what getting out of the conference can do for you after going through that gauntlet. But most things went chalk. We have some really good matchups for this coming Friday. And, uh, yeah, but it just goes from 13 to 6. That all of a sudden it shrinks real quick and it'll shrink even further. Um, it'll shrink even further after this weekend. And just talking with Sheldon Sheeler, who holds, uh, holds up the – excuse me, heads up the, uh, the state poll for high school football, uh, he said that, you know, things went chalk as well, that uh, the higher seeds beating the lower seeds, uh, the, the spread was pretty wide, you know, of one versus eight and two versus seven, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and we get that when everybody gets in for football. Let's hope they go back to the where you have to fight to get in playoff system next year. Yeah, no, agreed. I, I just think that the, the allowing everybody in like this, it, it's not good, and there's no reason that an 0-9 team should be in the playoffs. It's not – to me, it's 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 rewarding mediocrity, and, and we shouldn't be doing that. It sends the wrong message. Absolutely. All right, before we get out of high school stuff and move into college, 
A um, couple of things. Uh, field hockey, Kent Island is going to be playing in the state semifinals this coming Thursday against Manchester Valley at Paint Branch High School after they beat Easton 3-0 on uh uh, uh, last Friday, in fact, it was a big win for them, or Saturday, rather. Uh, it was a big win for them, and so they'll invite uh, advance to the state semifinals. Easton, yet again, coming up just short, but uh, congratulations to them for making it that far. Uh, Kent Island's goals uh, were scored by a couple of players that have been consistent. Ava Ravenbush, Brookie Betcher, and uh, Megan Carpenter. Um, they scored the three goals that led to that. Now, volleyball volleyball is in the midst of their uh, regional semifinals that were held on Monday night. And uh, Kent Island advances to play Queen Anne's after beating Easton three games to none. But Queen Anne's, who is unbeaten this year, they played North yeah. Carolina. And they had to win the fifth set tiebreaker by the score of 15-13 to advance with a three games to two win over the Bulldogs. But it was a, a, a just an amazing volleyball game. And uh, you should be able to go to shoresportsmd.com. Taylor Walls was there documenting the game. We should have that up Tuesday night uh, for folks right. to check out. Uh, but what an amazing volleyball game that was. And some valiant efforts, uh, you know, by, uh, by the North Carolina Bulldogs. Uh, Alyssa Bernensky. Uh, Alyssa had a career-high 15 kills. Riley Wallstrom, a career-high 10 kills. 31 assists from Zoe Fredard. 31. That's the highest Woo! number I've heard this year from a volleyball yeah. player. Uh, uh, Queen Anne's has always gotten us their their uh, stats and such. But uh, you know, I've never heard 31 assists. So you usually hear Elise Tolson. I think she's had as many as like 25 or 26 this year. Now she had 15 in that contest with 18 digs. 21 digs from Caroline Taylor. Bailey Pender, 10 kills in that contest. So, uh, wow. so yeah, some good performances there for volleyball. Uh, Colonel Richardson, their season came to an end with a 3-0 loss to Snow Hill. North Dorchester, they advanced uh, with a three-games-to-none win over Kent County, and now on Wednesday, they will host Snow Hill for the chance to win the 1A East region. So good luck to them as uh, they fight to try and win this regional title as well. Absolutely, and uh, always great to see uh, players shining in the playoffs. I mean, that's when especially the spotlight's on you when it's one and done. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, and it's always good to, uh, you know, see these schools continuing to compete and fight. Uh, let's move up a level to Salisbury University and their football team. And uh, we have some locals that have just done an amazing uh, job. Um, in the playoffs, Salisbury will be playing uh, Christopher Newport University this Saturday. Their time changed to 5 o'clock. So, uh, yep, yep. so they've got that time change. And the, uh, the Seagulls beat Keene on uh, um, Saturday. And uh, they beat them 32-17. So, I'm sorry, they're still in the regular season. I was thinking they were in the playoffs. So Well, the, no, no, so the, the, the game Saturday uh, against Christopher Newport is a battle of unbeatens for the NJAC championship, and the winner of that gets an automatic bid to the tournament. I, I got you. Okay, so I knew you'd straighten me out on that one. But uh, some good performances from uh, some of our – 
uh, players that uh, we know so much about. Uh, Joey Bildstein has had one heck of a year. Dario Belisari uh, had a four-yard touchdown run in, in that one as well. Um, let's see here. Joey Bildstein and Dario Belisari each registered to touchdown on the ground. Salisbury tallied 342 yards of total offense, 172 rushing, 170 receiving. By the way, that's pretty balanced. <laughs> So, <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't think you can do much uh, much better than that. But no. uh, they're, Salisbury continuing to have a strong year, like you said. They're five and zero in conference, eight and one overall. And, and Bildstein has nine hundred and eighty-two yards rushing this year. Average yeah, I, well, it, it doesn't surprise me though. He was one of those blue-collar backs. Uh, out of North Carolina that uh, we just epitomize the, the type of program they have and the type of players you get in that program. So no surprise that he's continuing his uh, success at the collegiate level uh, locally at SU. Yeah, well, he's got 976 net because he had a six-yard loss. But uh, still, oh, okay. he, he, <laughs> he is toting the rock, 142 carries, uh, averaging 6.9 yards a carry, has 10 touchdowns on the year as well. And so does Dario Belazari out of Cambridge. He's got 10 touchdowns on the year as well. He's toted yeah. the rock 51 times uh, for 423 yards uh, with his longest run, a 50-yarder. So it's good to see those guys uh, doing so well uh, as well as uh, they approach the playoffs once they take care of business with Christopher Newport. Yeah, you think Cambridge would love to have Belisari back for that Carter Richardson game and for uh, the Elmton playoff game the other day? <laughs> it would have been a huge help. Yeah, no doubt about that. It, it definitely would have been a huge help for them. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll see how things progress with Salisbury and uh, wishing them well. Uh, Maryland. How about Maryland, huh? Yeah, I mean, Mark, that was a really disappointing performance coming off the bye, and I know Wisconsin was coming off a bye as well. Uh, but Wisconsin, and the weather was a factor, but it was a factor for both teams. Uh, Wisconsin didn't do anything fancy offensively. They came out, played smash-mouth football because of the weather, uh, and, and Maryland's run defense uh, was not near good enough. Now, they were also left out there to dry enough. I mean, 23 points is uh, not going to lose you every game either. I think they were left out there too much. Uh, but but they could have had a better game when their run defense has been pretty good this year. But the offense, the storyline's really not about the defense to me as much as about how bad the offense was. And uh, they should have pulled Talia Tungavailoa. He didn't have it. Uh, they had to make some adjustments on the O-line. Their left guard didn't travel. So they moved their starting center to left guard. They put a freshman at center who had started one other game. But both he and Tungavailoa had issues with the wet ball. And, and so that was a problem. But they should have pulled Tungavailoa for Billy Edwards Jr., the backup uh, who started against Northwestern on homecoming two weeks ago. I don't know why they didn't do it. The play calling wasn't great either. Very, very, very disappointing. And so your opportunity to match your win total from last year was lost. Now you have to play at Penn State. Then it's home against Ohio State, or, and then it's uh, home against Rutgers. Well, you know, your chance to win eight games now really shrunk. Maybe you'll match seven wins against Rutgers, but it's going to be a tall tale the next two weeks uh, to, to try to beat Penn State and or Ohio State. I do think they'll play better next week, but, yeah, very disappointing against the Badgers. Yeah, I saw somebody commented on Facebook, it might have been on one of your posts, that uh, they didn't feel like Maryland was prepared to play the game. 
Yeah, that's what uh, one of my our sports media friends had said. And you know, I hear people say that these coaches put in, and Mark, you know it because you're a coach, these coaches put in insane hours to say that they're not prepared. I just think that's the wrong thing to say. Now, whether they were uh, taught correctly, coached correctly, you could always maybe dissect that. But to me at that point, it's about the players, their talent, and executing. But to say they're not prepared, I, 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 that rarely is the case. These coaches uh, put in crazy hours to, to get their teams prepared. So I don't buy that. All right. So the college football playoff rankings came out for the first time this past weekend. And Tennessee was ranked number one, although they're fifth overall. And uh, Georgia uh, came in, I think, one, uh, third, I think. Well, Georgia made a statement. 27-13, whooping up on Tennessee. And Georgia's just proclaiming right now, you know what? This title is going through Bulldog country. Well, it is. And, by the way, you're, you're talking about the different standings. You've got the AP poll, but then the college football playoff rankings, and those are what ultimately count because they determine who the top four playoff teams will be. But no question, Georgia is ahead of the rest. I mean, now, we could talk about the great defense last year. Well, they've continued that this year. There hasn't really been much of a drop-off there. And their offense, Georgia's known for defense, but their offense is equally as good. And uh, they're, uh, they're continuing to roll and right now, while Ohio State, when they're healthy offensively, uh, certainly I think it can give them a challenge. And they have some of the issues of their own because they've been inconsistent at times running the ball and some questions at times with their defense, even though it has improved greatly from last year. I think Georgia's just ahead of the rest. I still think Tennessee should be a college football playoff team. That game was at Georgia. Um, I know it wasn't very competitive, but that's still a really good Tennessee team. I just think that it's more about how good Georgia is than, oh, Tennessee's not worthy enough. I still think Georgia, Ohio State, you know, Michigan, Tennessee are your four teams right now that uh, that are deserving of a CFP at the moment. Oh, wait a second. Well, uh, what about uh, TCU? They ended up beating well, uh, Texas Tech 34-24. TCU now ranked number four in the AP poll. Correct. Uh, they, they, you can make a, 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 certainly a case for them. They're right on the outside. I mean, in my, in my CFP, they're right on the outside looking in, knocking on the door there. But, sure, you can make a strong argument for them, absolutely. You don't think they get into the CFP when the rankings come out this week? No, they may. I just said yeah. that those were my four. No, they may. That's just my four. If they did, I'm, I'm not going to yell and scream about it. They've, they've uh, done a heck of a job this year, and uh, if that's what the, the folks think, then, then kudos to them. You know, Michigan will get their chance against Ohio State in a couple of weeks. They still have to beat Nebraska and a good Illinois team, even though Illinois lost to, to Michigan State. Um, so they'll get their chance at the end of the year if they're still on the outside looking in. And, of course, you've got uh, Penn State. You mentioned them, Maryland's next opponent. They beat Indiana 45-14. But the game that I want to talk about, I'm not sure what in the hell's going on down in Alabama. But uh, Nick Saban loses again, this time in overtime, uh, to LSU. Uh, because LSU decided to go for two and a gutsy call there. I, I like it, but uh, it, it ends up knocking Alabama down to 10th now in the current AP rankings. Well, Jaden Daniels had a huge game for LSU running and throwing. And, look, Brian Kelly, I think, was 
the right hire and what LSU needed, um, maybe not from a recruiting uh, connection standpoint because he's a Midwest guy, but everything else about Kelly was a good hire for them. And uh, even though it started off uh, a bit shaky, and, and even though their O-line has been shaky at times this year, um, LSU uh, is, is certainly one of those programs that can recruit the best of the best. And with good coaching, uh, there's no question that they should be back up there in the, in the top five, top ten on an on a annual basis. Um, I'm not completely surprised, and it's an Alabama team that has shown a little vulnerability, as we know, this year, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I think we've all gotten our fill, and I know you're a Bama fan, but we've all kind of gotten our fill of Alabama over the last decade. Yeah, and this hasn't been a good year for my college kids because Virginia Tech, uh, they offer up another heartbreaking performance, uh, losing their game, what, last Thursday night, I guess it was, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I mean, yep. my goodness, it's like, come on. <laughs> You've got kids that are ready to, uh, you know, just kind of just like jump off Lane Stadium or something. Well, uh, I, I would say let's, uh, I mean, let's wait till next year. And I, I, I think let's, you know, let's, let's give it a quarter of the season next year. And then at that point, I think you can start to more fairly judge uh, the uh, the new coaching staff there. Yeah, yeah my son's already he, he he texts me from the game Thursday because I want to start the let's fire you know Coach Pry no. chance and I'm like nah that's you that's you got to get a bit. I agree. I told him I said you got to give him a, another year to get his people in. I, I think he needs to do something with Bowen the offensive <laughs> coordinator. We've talked about that, but yeah, you know, right, right, right. You know, still right. it's Tyler just Bowen. yeah, yeah, it's. It's still it's frustrating, and but they uh, he was very happy because Virginia Tech won their first uh, basketball game last night against Delaware State. So uh, yeah. yeah, I did see yeah, yeah I, I I did see that yeah and the Hokies uh, yeah well college basketball yet yeah, uh, Monday night uh, kicked off for the season a lot of local teams in action Kevin Willard the new head coach of Maryland made his debut and a big win over Niagara and they're changing up how they're doing things at Maryland with you know up-tempo offense and more pressing defense and uh, it, uh, it, it's going to be a, a rebuilding year for them I mean they've got some old pieces from the previous coaching staff some transfers in but I think you know fans just want to see an exciting style uh, guys playing hard and and I think Willard will be fine uh, he's a good X's and O's guy and a developmental coach so uh, we'll uh, we'll be okay, but uh, I don't think we'll be talking any Big Ten titles this year, though. No, probably not. Hey, if you want to see some good college basketball, I'm going to encourage you to go check out uh, the Chesapeake College men's basketball team uh, here on the shore. They've got yeah. some folks that are local. Uh, Lamont Powell, who used to play out of Garrett Community College, he transferred. He's back here at Chesapeake as a sophomore. Uh, he played for Easton and Saints Peter and Paul. Uh, you've also got uh, some other kids there. Of course, the kid out of um, uh, Jay Sean Freeman out of Kent County, uh, sophomore, uh, All-American. Uh, the kid is just getting it done there. Uh, Taquan Courtney from Kent Island. Uh, you've also got from Cross Christian Academy, um, from Smyrna, Delaware, a freshman, 6'2 freshman, Elijah Credle, and uh, another kid out of uh, – I think that was out of uh, Cross Christian too. I don't see him on here though. No, but uh, yeah. So they've got some talent here uh, that they're going to be able to play and and I think have fun 
they turned around and they won their opening contest uh, last week against the St. Mary's JV because, you know, they're a community college versus, a, a what, a D1, D3 college. They won that contest 115-46. to 46. So they'll be on the road on Saturday the 12th at Raritan. They'll be back home on Monday against the Washington College JV. And then on Wednesday the 16th, they'll host College of Southern Maryland, a team more like their own. So it'll be fun to watch them over the next uh, uh, couple of months as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're all about local and Chesapeake's local and right right in our backyard, right up the street. Yeah. We'll get Coach Sachs on uh, an upcoming uh, podcast once football season is over and uh, so we can talk to him as well. And uh, we'll also be talking with uh, Mr. Bromwell, the superintendent of Dorchester County Public Schools. He's going to come on and talk with us after football season is over as well as yeah, he's well known, uh, especially in the Dorchester County community uh, with with lacrosse, with his kids and such. So looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, oh, that's great. Yeah. Very good. That's what we've got coming up. Again, don't forget, check out shoresportsmd.com. And, uh, of course, we've got high school football Friday night on 94.3 Winks FM and at forevermidshore.com. Should be a good one. We'll have uh, the contest featuring the North Carolina Bulldogs in Berlin to take on the Decatur Seahawks. And we're trying to get it worked out to where they'll be able to carry our broadcast on their uh, video feed. So we'll see. If Go we on your YouTube get, channel. Yeah, if we can get that uh, yeah. uh, worked out yeah. as well. Any closing yeah, comments? That, that- yeah, real quick. So the playoff power poll is posted at the Overtime Live section of shortsportsmd.com. It's strictly based on the playoff of week one. It has nothing to do with the regular season. So when you see that, I'm sure people are going to say, what, you have who, number one, what, why, what? Again, it strictly has to do with the playoffs. And in this case, since we've only been through one round, round one of the playoffs. So you'll understand when you see it then why I have who I have at number one and why another team that you would think would be number one isn't at number one. In fact, they're much further down. But uh, anyway, well, Mark, you you saw it. So. I, I did. And if I was a Colonel Richardson fan, I'd be pissed at you, plain and simple. But the nice thing <laughs> is you can send your complaints to Mike at oh, shortsportsmd.com. Uh, you know what? Send Mike your own version of your power poll. And don't forget to send Mike your picks because just want to yeah. tell you, I posted it for you, buddy, but I think you're ridiculous. <laughs> uh, well, it's not their fault. It's not their fault, but Colonel didn't play a game. So I can't rank them very high in the playoffs in which they didn't play a game. So. You barely have them above Washington. <laughs> it didn't play a game, Mark. It's, it's, play, it's playoff rankings. They they won by forfeit. Not their fault, but that still plays into it. Again, it's a playoff ranking. It's not, it's not you know. I got you. you, know, you know. Mark, you understand you've got to, the criteria explains itself, but I'm not going to put someone number one in a playoff power poll that won by a forfeit. Come on. Now. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, again, go check it out, shoresportsmd.com slash overtime live. Just look on the overtime live page. You'll find it there. And uh, and then if you have something you want to say about it, send Mike an email. He'd love to yeah, hear from you. So do it. Hey, look, no one has has lavished praise over Colonel Richardson the last couple of seasons than me. I've been all about them, and I I continue to wish them nothing but the best. So that is, you know, that's 
Everybody knows that. So. All right, buddy. Well, uh, have a great week. We look forward to having you on the sidelines Friday night. You've done a great job training CJ to get him ready for the broadcast on Friday night. And so we're looking forward to taking you along with us to uh, uh, Berlin and have you on the sidelines in the rain. Yeah, well, I'm getting the rain gear ready. We'll be good to go. But football at its finest, the rain, the wind, and uh, it's always great to be out. Friday Night Lights, playoff edition, it doesn't get better than that. So rain, wind, shine, whatever, I'll be there. ShoresportsMD.com. Make sure you share. Share this podcast as well. We appreciate you listening. And, of course, we'll be back next week when you'll find out who our El Jefe Coach of the Year is. We've got that for you next week right here on the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.